Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily. That's it, January is over. And whether it was dry January or veganuary or whatever you find yourself getting involved in this month, forget about it, forget about it, because we are into squeaky bum time in the Premier League. And as the season enters into its second half, we've got ourselves a title race again with Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool and Leicester all ready to go toe-to-toe. And it's the title race, that's where we kick off tonight's show as United hit a bump in the road thanks to a goalless draw at Arsenal in part two it's the league leaders Manchester City they kept their bandwagon running thanks to a 1-0 win over Sheffield United and then to wrap up the podcast it's contrasting fortunes for Liverpool and Leicester this weekend plus all the other action from the last 48 hours my name's Fergal Brennan and I will be guiding you through this squeaky bum well hold on I will be guiding you through this squeaky bum episode that doesn't sound quite right but I'm sticking with it I will be guiding you through this squeaky bum episode and helping me out uh, and making sure that I don't trip myself trip myself up anymore. We have BBC presenter and part-time homeschool champion, the trigonometry kid, Dave Scott. Dave, how are you? I'm I'm very good. Uh, not as good as my trigonometry. <laughs> Not as good as your trigonometry or your squeaky bum. Uh, that's good to know. Um, and we also have semi-employed, his words, not mine, semi-employed comedian Alex Boardman. Alex, how's things? Uh, well, semi-employed, really, so pretty rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> pretty yeah. rubbish, if you're honest. I was uh, just listening to Dave before talking about homeschooling. I was thinking, wonder if he gave, like he gave us a tenner, I'd teach his kids how to do maths. That's how bad it is. Well, there you go. The Football Social Daily can be a marketplace for these things. If you're looking for a maths teacher, Alex is your man. If you're looking for anything related to creative industries, Dave is your man. Brilliant. Don't say that we just talk about football on this show. We give you everything. We give you a nice, rounded package. But the football is where we are going to start, and the football is why you're listening to the podcast. So that's where we're going to get started. Dave, Arsenal nil, your beloved Manchester United nil. Given the way that big games this season have gone, and and two weeks ago it was exactly the same scoreline against Liverpool, and this was obviously built up with the old stories between these teams Pizzagate and Keane versus Vieira Keown versus Van Nistelrooy 
do you still look at this fixture with the same kind of excitement that you did a, a decade ago? Uh, no, I look at it with the disappointment about seeing how two great clubs have sort of fell off so much because uh, Arsenal um, was the game that I looked forward to after Liverpool every single season. Um, and then you look back at the likes of Van Nistelrooy versus Keown and uh, the Pizzagate and, and stuff and Keenan Vieira in the tunnel. It just feels like a different lifetime ago now, uh, and especially even with the, the weird sort of time con- continuum we're in with uh, the coronavirus <laughs> at the moment. It just feels like a long, long time ago. Um, and then the Games over the last three or four years haven't been brilliant, have they, between United and Arsenal? So I can't remember one where I've actually sort of sat back and gone, wow, that was an, inch, that, that was an exciting game. And as last night was a, a nil-nil, uh, there's a few decent chances for United, but it was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was just depressing when, it, whenever, when, when I see how far both clubs have, have fallen. Alex, when you look at the situation of the game and, and, you know, we kind of add up the pros and cons at full time and who was this a better result for? Undoubtedly, it's Arsenal. It brings them up into the top 10 and given the struggles that they've had at the back end of 2020, that's a that's a real positive. But for United, their form has pushed them into the champ- sorry into the title race and this result mm. now, in the context of them being title challengers, is actually a bit disappointing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm still not a hundred percent convinced. Even when we were top, that United are challenging for the title this year. It's still that's the that's that's the sorry. Hold on, that's the real spirit. Even when we were top of the league, I didn't think we were going to win the league. No, I didn't. Yeah, but this is speaking from someone who, for twenty years, we could have been fourth and eight points off at Christmas, (laughs) and you go, we'll still win it. Um, So I'm just being realistic. I just don't think they're quite there. I don't think they're far off, and I think the played really well the, the cap- it's a team that is capable of going on a run as they showed earlier this season they showed at the back half of last season so if we do what we did at the back half of last season we'll win it no doubt because nobody could live without form but there's just something that's not it doesn't make me 100% believe we are genuine title contenders and actually, again, I slightly disagree. Had we beaten Sheffield United, as was totally expected, I think this draw, like the Liverpool draw, would have been looked on as actually that's quite a decent result. But I think it was just the Sheffield game midweek that made it, it made this a sort of must win. You expected a reaction and it didn't quite come. And we've seen it from this United side once or twice this season. When they really need to do it, they just they just don't. David, that's an interesting point when you look at it. On the back of the FA Cup win against Liverpool, everything seemed to be kind of rolling in United's direction. And then the Sheffield United result, you could arguably put down to a bit of a freak instance that bottom of the table go away to top of the table and win. But then coupled with this draw against Arsenal, it's very, very frustrating given the progress that's been made at the end of 2020 by Solskjaer, by the players and by the club that when these games come around, there still seems to be a little bit of a block. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the statistics that have been going around on uh, all, all the sports media following the, the result yesterday have been that we've we've only scored one goal against the supposed uh, top six, and that was a penalty against Spurs um, for Fernandez when we got when, when we got beat six uh, one. And our form against the, the, the top clubs is nowhere near good enough to be putting ourselves towards a title challenge. But I, I think we, we we were second in the league based on our form and the the results were great. But I don't think that we've been blowing teams away. 
Everton side, you could you could look at the performances and say, okay, there's a team that can go on to win the Premier League. For me, the, we've had the Bruno effect, which has been fantastic and evident for all to see. But he he's fell off the he's fell off the wagon uh, quite a bit over the last sort of five or six games, and I think we've struggled with that. And if you look at the goal scorers across the the team, if Rashford or Bruno isn't scoring, we really struggle because you've got people like um, Anthony Martial who scored the same amount of goals as Harry Maguire, and it's just we need to be we need to be scoring goals for, from elsewhere uh, in the team and we've got this weird thing at United at the moment that I've noticed is that when we're scoring goals in a game we're definitely going to concede and a lot of time when we're conceding it's shambolic defending but when we manage to keep a clean sheet we just can't score at the other end which seemed to be the, the case last night um, I got carried away Alex unlike you when we were top the league uh, just purely because I needed I needed something to believe in uh, but but, not, but now, now that we're not top of the league I just think City are grinding out uh, results they're playing without two of the best um, players at the moment and, and and still getting results and I just think that they'll go on to win it and the frustrating thing for United is when you look at next season Liverpool will improve. They won't have the blip as much as they've had this season. It looks like that they, they found form again. City will probably won't go through the same sort of dip. So if United were going to win under Solskjaer, I think that this was probably one of the best opportunities that we could have had. And Alex, obviously this talk of a mental block or, or being an issue in, of you know the brain rather than the feet has kind of dominated. Roy Keane was on punditry for Sky Sports and, and he said he was scratching his head about United and this performance and said that he wondered if they had the belief not just to, to go on and beat Arsenal in this game but go on and, and win the title. And someone like Keane who's had many a dust up with Arsenal over the years and is obviously massively successful in, in Manchester United's history. When he's saying something like that, and I know he, he is outspoken on these subjects, does he have a point is there is there something in the brains of these players where they've almost got to this situation and now maybe they're panicking a little bit yeah maybe maybe it's really with it being such an odd situation um it's i think it's really difficult to judge because i can remember 10 years ago united teams would go behind and then you knew they would always kind of score within the last five, ten minutes, and then they'd go out, throw the kitchen sink, as Ferguson used to say, in the last ten minutes and try and win it. Now, Solskjaer's brought that back. So, for most of this season, if United went behind, you were like, well, they're mentally really strong. They don't panic. They just play the football. Then, sometimes, when teams sit back a bit, like, you know, Arsenal, they, they soak the pressure up really well. Arsenal defended really, really well, as did Sheffield United. Um, on the one hand, you're thinking if, if Old Trafford would have been full midweek or if there'd been a big away support there at, at Arsenal, like there always would have been, um, would they have like pushed pushed the team forward? Um, probably they would. But would it have just got a bit desperate, as we've seen, where it would be like lumping long balls in, maybe push Maguire up front a bit? Um, it's kind of like they're trying to play the football. I, d I don't know. It's I think it, it's partly a bit of a media invention. This King's great for a quote, and he does know much more than I do. But Cavani could have scored two yesterday. Fernandez could have scored and arguably should have scored. Arsenal had great chances as well. But if you'd have gone to Arsenal and one of those would have gone in, especially the one in the last five minutes, you'd have gone, what a brilliant away performance that is. When you're not playing well, that's the sign of champions. And it's they, they're not so far off, but I, I, I do still think maybe this next hurdle to, to start winning semi-finals and to win leagues, it just... You need a bit of luck maybe along the way or you need somebody to carry you through because there is only, it looks like, Fernandez with that absolute, we must win this spirit. Maybe McTominay's got it as well. But I don't see it from all the other players. Some of them just look a bit, don't know if scared is the right way, but a bit too relaxed maybe or a bit too somebody else will do it on the team. 
So I, I honestly, I don't know what it is, but I think it's a team that's getting better, and we did not think they'd be this far up this year. So it's a big improvement most of the season by Solskjaer this year. Dave, when you look at the team, particularly the starting eleven, who are you looking at? By my math, it's only David De Gea who was part of the United squad that won the last Premier League title in 2013. Obviously, Edinson Cavani was a multiple league winner when he was at PSG. There's no one else in that team that has a league winning experience behind them. Obviously, Fernandes was successful in, in um, Portugal with Sporting Lisbon, but he didn't actually win a league title. He does seem able to walk the walk and talk the talk. But throughout the rest of the team, who were you looking at to step up and, and kind of grab some of the other players around him and say, we're here because we deserve to be here. We're here on merit. Do not, for want of a better expression, shit the bed. <laughs> well, well, you... you, you... <laughs> You, well, you'd hope that Harry Maguire would be going around checking the bed sheets, wouldn't you? Yeah. Really, he'd be, he'd be, <laughs> very uh, diligent as, cap, uh, as captain. But um, I mean, he, he's been culpable for, for a few mistakes as well for the for the goals that we've been conceding. Um, but it's like Fernandez does seem to have the the will to want to you know try and push the the, the, the team forward. We this across the pitch. You look at sort of the attitude when we're getting beat by Sheffield when we're getting beat by Sheffield United. Just the the mannerisms, and I know. Um, Keane was mentioning it. I think Scholes was mentioning it as well on uh, BT Sport yesterday regarding like when mistakes are made, you don't see anybody screaming at anybody else. Regarding mm. you know, and, and you used to say you, you used to see that when you, with, with the likes of uh, Keane or, or, or that you know golden age of United that we, that we had. If someone had made a mistake, then you'd be you'd be terrified. You know, you wouldn't want to go back into the dressing room. You have to face <laughs> either Alex Ferguson or, or, or Roy, the wrath of Roy Keane. And now that there doesn't seem to be that. Now I don't know if that's down to the culture at Manchester United, but you, when you look at the the derby a few weeks ago, when the likes of John Stones and Harry Maguire were hugging, there doesn't seem to be that sort of um, the, the, um, the, that sort of hatred of um, temper as, as they used to be in years gone by. Uh, Alex, as for Arsenal, when you look at this, as I said before, in terms of result where they are in the table, they'll probably be more pleased, even though they arguably had the better chances. Alexandre Lacazette hit the bar with a free kick. Mm -hmm. Emil Smith-Rowe got a, a good save out of De Gea. Mm -hmm. It's a very strange situation with Arsenal because it always seems to be one bad result away from, from Armageddon. But when you actually look at the numbers and, and how they've performed in the last month or so, they've only lost one Premier League game since December. That was away at Everton. And there's been positive results. There's been frustrating draws, Crystal Palace, and then obviously this one against United. But it seems so hard to be able to stick a pin in both Arteta and Arsenal at the minute. Yeah, I mean, also, you could say that Arsenal were like a couple... Of the, well, Tini would definitely have played uh, yesterday. Um, possibly Aubameyang, but I think he's got a family issue. Uh, maybe Sacco as well. Yeah. Um, so they, I think, I think I heard yesterday in commentary they said Arsenal had won the last four out of five games. So they were in really decent form. They at the beginning of the year when they were playing really badly, I didn't think they beat United and then they went on a terrible run. It was like an eight-game, nine-game run, was it, where they didn't win and. And I didn't think they were that bad. They were just, they were like a team that was just dejected and playing without confidence and a little less of a clue. But like Arsenal have been for the last five, ten years, they, they also seemed a little bit soft and a little bit easy to get at and, and a bit a bit open. And Arteta in recent weeks has fixed that. And he fixed that against United. So I think a lot of Arsenal fans would be really happy with the way Arsenal defended which is traditionally how years and years and years gone by, Arsenal built all the success from the back. And they were pretty good yesterday. They defended really, really well. Um, so that's one, that's one plus to take from the game. They just seem to lack 
Lacazette, I thought, played one of the best games I've seen him play, and he still doesn't look that good. Um, he's not bad. He, he hit the bar. He had one decent, half decent chance. He got stuck in and and around it, but he doesn't. He's not got the quality of, of a Bamiyang, I don't think. So I'm not sure. I, I think for Arsenal, it's. I think for both teams, it's kind of like a bit of a statement where they are. They cancelled each other out. Um, neither one are playing as well as they possibly could do at this moment. And I think Arsenal will be all right. I think Arsenal maybe finish sixth or seventh this season, and I think that's not a bad season considering the first 10 games they had, the, the start they had that was abysmal. Yeah, I think when you look and weigh it up after after the game, there's probably more questions than answers for, for both managers and both sets of fans. We're going to take a quick break, but we, before we do so, Dave, something to ease your mind. Manchester United are now unbeaten in 18 Premier League away games. That's actually the longest run without defeat on the road they've ever had in the Premier League. So it's not all bad for United at the moment. We're going to take a quick break. After the break, it's the blue half of Manchester as City beat Sheffield United to stretch their lead at the top. We'll catch you in a second. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Before the break, it was a red off for Manchester as United drew 0-0 away at Arsenal. Now we're going to flick across and look at the blue half. Manchester City end the weekend as Premier League leaders with a nice, healthy three-point gap above United thanks to a 1-0 win against Sheffield United, who less than three days beforehand had beat Manchester United so Sheffield United having a big say in who is top of the table at the end of the weekend Alex I'm going to go to you first on this one with City in terms of performances and, and consistency you can't really see past them at the minute 12 games winning in all competitions is a hell of a record I know obviously there's EFL Cup and FA Cup meshed in with that but they look like a team that's coming right to boil, right at the perfect time. And to go back to the squeaky bum comparison that we had at the start of the show, Alex Ferguson-esque almost from them. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, in all that time as well, in all those 12 games, they've, they've only conceded three times. And I think that's why... I mean, they're in a fantastic run of form. I think most people have now pegged them as favourites, uh, partly due to Liverpool's injury problems. Um, but City's problem prior to uh, this 12-game running streak was they, they, were, like, they, they were vulnerable at the back, they were making mistakes, they didn't quite have a settled who who are your best players at the back. Um, and they've just sort of, they've sorted that absolutely brilliantly. Uh, Stones is playing really well, Diaz is playing fantastically well. Walker um, is very consistent, as we know. Uh, and it, it just, it all stems from that. And I think a lot of people have them favourites, um, because purely for the fact that defences win you, they used to say, didn't they? Attacks win your games and defences win your leagues, and it feels like that's City have conceded three goals in twelve games. So that kind of form, uh, it's hard to look past them for the for the title winners. I think. 
Um, we'll look at the attack in a second, Alex. But just to go back to your point on the on defence, obviously Ruben Diaz has been a lot of talk about him in the last month or so. Everyone's pleased with John Stones coming back into form, but this has almost lit a fire under Eimerick Laporte as well. Because mm. if we wind the clock back twelve months, everything was about him. John Stones was potentially getting sold. Obviously Diaz hadn't even come into the club at that stage, and now he finds himself in a position where he's actually fighting for his position in the club. Whereas if we looked at this situation a year ago, he's probably the first or one of the first names on the team sheet yeah exactly and it's very similar to what's happened with Luke Shaw at United as well in the fact that I mean is it, is it the case that competition it's such a big deal that that competition makes you um play play better probably probably it is but I mean there was nobody for Van Dyke. Van Dyke had no competition last year at Louisville he was probably always the first name on the team sheet so I don't know. It's just maybe they've just got their act together. Maybe they've just had a meeting as a as a unit and gone, look, we can really improve defensively. And you know, they've always got they've got some great players going forward, uh, mainly in midfield, and they are always capable of winning the games. But it's it's defensively now. You look at cities who who are they who are they going to play in the next five games, and you think, will they concede a goal in the next five games? Maybe they will. Will they concede two? Probably not. It's and and that's. That's what makes them scary and that's what I think makes them title favourites. And Dave, when you look at the other end of the pitch, obviously injuries have been a factor. Kev De Bruyne is out at the moment. Sergio Aguero's whole season has been up and down with, with injuries and then obviously testing positive for coronavirus earlier this month. And prior to this, Guardiola has seemed to have found a way around that. He's gone with Sterling, Torres and um, Phil Foden, who's obviously been brilliant for them this season. Now he almost finds himself with a situation as Aguero comes back to fitness, as Jesus comes back to fitness, of fitting them all into a system where they're all happy with the amount of football they're playing. Jesus scored the winner yesterday, but ultimately that means that someone's going to be left out. It was Sterling yesterday, it'll probably be Foden or Torres in midweek. And then next weekend, the big one, away at Anfield, he's going to be in a situation where one of them's going to have to sit on the bench. How does he balance this? Do you, do you go with a big gun like Jesus and say, you're the man to get us the goals to win the title? Or do you go with the system of those three players that have served you so well up until now? I mean, what, what a wonderful situation to be in, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> like every, every single position, they've got more than one fantastic player to fill it. Uh, but if you, if you sort of look at the, the defence and the way that Laporte and, and Stones and um, Diaz have sort of rotated, that, it sort of shows what sort of a uh, good group they've got together and how, the, how the, they see it as a team game rather than, oh, you stole my position sort of thing. So even, even when Aguero's out and Jesus comes in, uh, it's just it's such a strong unit. I can't see uh, Guardiola are just trying to bring Aguero back after so long for, for, for big games uh, and what what Pep seems to have got now is he's finding goals all across the park I thought Torres was brilliant yesterday he should never have been allowed to get away with turning the Sheffield United defender like he did for Jesus's goal it was incredible I, I fully imagine the Sheffield United defender to, to, to take him out uh, to, to be absolutely honest uh, but it, it's for City it's the players that sometimes don't get the plaudits because they don't score the goals that have, that have been amazing uh, just away from the defence when you're looking at the likes of Zinchenko was was incredible yesterday, and then Ilki um, Sil Silky Ilki, as the City fans are calling him now, it's been a revelation. And you, sometimes when you look at clubs that have got so many players, um, if you look at Chelsea, when people aren't getting a, a game that they can throw a strop, but Pep's created such a unit there where they're quite happy to be off if, it, if it's for the greater good. 
Um, when you look at the situation that they find themselves in, Guardiola and City have been delighted that so much media attention has been placed on Liverpool and Klopp's issues with fixture congestion and injuries and United's quote surprise title run this is all playing into his hands of we're just going to quietly get on with our job it's amazing to think that considering they've been the most successful Premier League side over the last five years in terms of winning titles that we've only really started speaking about them in the last two or three weeks uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I completely, completely agree. I mean, that, that, that's what every manager wants, don't, don't they? Really, just to just to carry on with the job. And I don't think anybody was. Um, it was just a matter of time with Man City as to when they were going to catch form. It wasn't that they were going to they were going to have a blip throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and I, I, I just completely think that they're going to run away with the league. I just can't see Liverpool catching them, and I can't see United uh, winning enough games to to go anywhere near um, a title. I, I quote title challenges as you say. As you say. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alex, looking at Sheffield United and the situation that they find themselves in um, obviously I hung my hat on them last season and said that they'd do well and got pelters and was wonderfully proven right in the end but that's come back to bite me so far this season because they've been absolutely dreadful but in saying that given where they were pre-Christmas or pre-start of 2021 two wins in the last five games they couldn't manage to do the, the Mancunian double and beat City after beating United but they don't look absolutely shorn of confidence. Normally in, in situations like this, in January, February time, there's normally one team that's absolutely cut adrift without a paddle. And points-wise, you could arguably make a case that they are in that situation, but they're not playing like that. They're not playing like they're, they're dead men walking. No, well, I mean, they were they were excellent against United. They were absolutely excellent. Um, but, I mean, they've, they've got eight points. I'm just looking at the league table then. Uh, they've got eight points... Uh, and the next West Brom twelve, Fulham fourteen. So to get out of it, they've got a Brightoner on eighteen. So can they get ten points in the next five six games, or can they get like eight or nine points and be? Once you get off bottom, I think psychologically it's a huge thing. The fact they, I thought they played quite well against City. They didn't know if City were not magnificent yesterday by any means, and a lot of the credit for that has to go to Sheffield United. Had City not scored early as well. Uh, I think the confidence of that Sheffield team would have grown and grown and grown. Um, they didn't have tons of chances against United. They didn't have tons of chances against City, but they, they scored two against United. They could have possibly scored one yesterday um, and come away with a draw. But I think the way that they've been playing, I think it's great as well for the Sheffield United goal, what they've done with Wilder. They've backed him. And I think the team looks to have responded to that and said, no, we totally believe in you as well. And I, I do think they will sort of great escape it and I think they're better than maybe four or five other teams down at the bottom. So, and I do, I don't mind Sheffield United. I think they're a, it was always a good place to go to. It was always a good ground. And it's a great city, Sheffield, as well. So I would like them in the Premier League next year. So hopefully, if everything's back to normal, maybe sneak a ticket and have a good night out in Sheffield. Plus, there's an all-night train that's back. It's only an hour, and it's about where you can get on it free, normally, if there's been a match-up. So, um... I'm all for Sheffield United. I, I really hope they stay up. And they were, they were good against City. They were okay. They gave them a better run than most teams do. Um, obviously Dave when you look at the situation that they find themselves in and Alex is right they've got some huge games coming up um, probably no bigger than midweek they host West Brom if they beat them they go to within a point of them then they've got Chelsea West Ham and then they've got Fulham so by the end of February we could probably have a picture of whether or not they're going to be in with a chance of staying up based on the performance against United the performance against against City yesterday yes there's still a long way to go but 
would you be leaving a candle out for them? Do you think it, it can be done? Or are you looking at this and going 10 points? Yes, there's a lot of football to be played, but 10 points when you're in this poor form is, is pretty insurmountable. Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm the, I'm the uh, maths king and trigonometrist, so it is definitely, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it definitely is mathematically uh, still pos- possible. Um, and I've got a bit of a soft, soft, shot, soft spot for uh, Sheffield United, despite them beating United during the week. And I, I think the the results, it's like been one nil. They've lost a lot of one nils, haven't they? Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. not been like years, years in the past where we've seen the likes of Derby go down, and whenever you were playing the bottom of the league, you you know you go they were in for a hiding. So and it, it's, it's the scoring goals that I think Sheffield United need to do. Uh, and if they've got West Brom next, uh, I have no love for Sam Allardyce, and I would love to see his team get relegated. So I fully, I'm going to be a blade for that match. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's that's an absolute walking endorsement for the city of Sheffield for Sheffield United. You got free trains you've got Dave on your side you've got a great night out <laughs> and hopefully if we've got hopefully if we've got a bit of normality in 2021 just when Alex was touching on it there is nearly a tear in my eye thinking of uh. the strangeness of actually attending a football match but hopefully hopefully that's not too far away we're going to call it there for part two after the break it's more title chat Leicester lost against Leeds but Liverpool are firmly back 3-1 winners against West Ham who surprised us all by getting into the top four they've now dropped out we're going to be talking about all of that and the rest of the Premier League action in part three. Catch you in a second. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Just a quick reminder, if you're a fan of the podcast or even if you're a first-time listener, if you click subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new one every single day. We are your go-to source of all things Premier League here every single day. Right, continuing the title chat theme, it's Leicester next. Disappointing from them this weekend. 3-1 defeat at home to Leeds, who are the kings of inconsistency really at the moment. Alex, when you look at this type of result for Leicester, with all the momentum that's been going with them in recent weeks and the fact that they've kept themselves in the title race despite City starting to come good and Liverpool kicking back into a bit of form, losing at home to Leeds, who with the greatest respect are a mid-table Premier League team at the moment, is a bit of a kick in the teeth for Rodgers. Mm. Yeah, it really is because I um, I fully expected Leicester to win this in because uh, they were they were going to go second, of course, if they'd have won. Um, and they've been, I think, they're a realistic title contender as well. I mean, and I'd say bet probably. I can't really see beyond City and then maybe Liverpool, United, and Leicester probably up until they got beat by Leeds. I'd have thought uh, Leicester would, could potentially be right in it because they've got some cracking players. Vardy's a goal machine when he plays. Um, Harvey Barnes, who scored, fantastic. James Madison, fantastic. They're really solid at the back, um, and Schmeichel's a, a, a really decent keeper. But I don't know, I don't know what it is with um, with the Leicester side. Maybe it's the romance of when they won it. Maybe, maybe did they try and recreate that so much? But I, they just looked. I've only seen the highlights of this. I was sort of um, doing something else, and it was on in the background. And Leeds looked to. For periods of the first and second half, we took to absolutely run them, and I think they could have scored maybe another three or four goals as well. Um, so I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Is it that they're not that good? Again, is it a mental thing? Um, 
I don't know what I don't know what it is with Leicester. Maybe we give them too much credit. They're not as good as we think. Then you see them another week. Harvey Barnes does something magical, or Madison just pings one in the top corner, and you think this is a real team. So I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I've no idea about Leicester. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know how good they are. I don't. I don't hate them for someone that's like a Brendan Rodgers <laughs> like team. You don't have any like, answers for us. I don't. I, they are a baffle. Do you know what? This they're a bit to me. They're a bit like United were um, at the start of the season, where you just never quite knew what was going to turn up. Um, I just um, don't know. If, if you just said this result would have been three-one before kickoff, I'd have gone. Oh yeah, Leicester will win that. Dave. Dave, hopefully, I was going to say, Dave, hopefully you can give us a bit of an answer on this because <laughs> inevitably when Leicester lose, we you know run down 1-11 to and see if Jamie Vardy's on the pitch and when he's not, we inevitably hit the, the Jamie Vardy panic button and Brendan Rodgers got asked about it at full time. Was the absence of Vardy the reason why they lost? And, and obviously he's going to dismiss that and, and talk up the likes of Madison and Barnes and Iosi Perez, etc. But the numbers don't really reflect that story. Just looking at the games that he has missed this season, he's missed five Premier League games Games and Leicester have only won one when he hasn't been playing and he's missed the last three in all competitions he was not there for the FA Cup win but draw against Everton and then defeat today when he's not playing inevitably whatever Rodgers says or does or even even if the team are playing well there's always going to be that focus of yeah but Vardy's not in the team yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like I mean, it'd be, you'd be doing them a disservice to say Leicester are a one-man team because that's not the case. It's just that they've only got one man that can really put the ball in the back of the net. They're great at creating the chances because I think today uh, they actually created, I think it was they had 18 shots on tar- shots, shots throughout the whole match, uh, but only eight were on target. Now, if you haven't got your your striker on the pitch uh, who bags all your goals but you're getting the chances, it sort of shows how much how much they're missing them. And especially when you're looking at Leeds, I think they only had well, eight shots on goal and scored three and they could have scored a lot more. But Leicester have got some great players uh, and then you look at well, when Leicester tend to win it is either um, Vardy has had a fantastic game and scoring or Madison's done something wonderful uh, Barnes is a, is a brilliant player but I don't think they've got the, the cohesion as they, they had uh, when they actually won the Premier League with uh, Ranieri all them years ago it just seems a bit um, it's just not the magic isn't there but when you're looking at their starting 11 against the teams above them or even Spurs uh, Arsenal even would you really say that Leicester have got the stronger 11 out of the the, the starting level out of them too. I don't think they have, so I think they they probably are where they are because they deserve to be around that place. And Alex, when you look at the team, and, and Dave makes a good point there, when you look at the rivals around them and, and their starting eleven, or even the, their wider squad, I'd agree. I don't think Leicester are a one man team in terms of Jamie Vardy, but are they the most one man team in the top four? We talked about City before the break and the options they've got. Obviously, United have got Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, Cavani, Fernandez, Liverpool. We're going to touch on in a minute. We know what we know what they're all about. Leicester do have talented players and players that can win them games when Vardy is not there, but inevitably all the attention is always on him and when you look at those other sides if you're an opposition defence you're more conscious of other things going on whereas if it's Leicester you have to dedicate a certain amount of attention to stopping Vardy mm. Yeah, I thought you could argue easily that United are a bit of a one-man team with Fernandes um, but yes, I take your point when, when Rodgers took over there was a period um, where Vardy didn't, he wasn't amongst the goals as, as normal. And it seemed like they'd stopped playing to his strength when he used to sort of sit on the shoulder of someone and he could, he can run anyone. He can play on the shoulder of any defender and get him behind. And he's, he's brilliant at that. And we've seen it season after season. And it looked like Rodgers had identified it as almost a weakness and said, let's start playing a slightly different way. And he didn't look that happy Vardy for the first few games. Then 
he turned into a bit more of a team player. And he was getting assists and bringing other players into it, and it was like, oh wow, he's a he's done a really great job. And I don't know. I, I honestly, again, I, they're a slight enigma, Leicester. The fact that they've still got Johnny Evans at centre half, but and he's playing really well for them. But that sort of says when you look at what Chelsea can go out and spend two hundred million in in an off season, United can pro- presumably just do the same. Liverpool. Um, we're looking really, really strong. They, they haven't got that kind of squad. But I, I don't know. I don't know if we're doing them a disservice with the, the whole Vardy one-man team thing because I do think they've got more than that. Um, it's just it's just difficult, absolutely difficult to pinpoint without seeing them week in, week out for more than highlights. I don't know. I'd have to be a, a, a Leicester fan who, who knew more about them to say exactly what's wrong. But there is something not quite right in there. I think we all can agree on that. Um, Dave, looking at Leeds, I was going to say from a Leeds perspective, but you, you definitely wouldn't want to be associated with that. But looking at Leeds and, and their performances, if theoretically you were a Leeds United fan, you'd obviously be pleased with this result. It's, it's three points. It moves them closer to their primary objective, which despite the fact that they've shown some flashes this season, is still staying in the Premier League. But back-to-back wins, they beat, they beat Newcastle away from home last um, in midweek. Sorry, But prior to that, it was two defeats. Then before that, it was two wins then a defeat, then a win, then a defeat. It's it's like a hopscotch between a win and defeat uh, for them in the last two, three months. And for all the positivity that we've we've seen from Bielsa and we've seen from the players, and rightly so from this performance and this win today, you must be so frustrated as a Leeds fan because you know that these performances can be pulled out. And if this type of performance can be put on away at Leicester, why is it not being put on at home to Brighton? Uh, I, I think they just come to enjoy themselves, Leeds. I think well, once they start, well, once they got that the, the good performance against Liverpool, uh, the open day of the season, I, I think they were always quite confident of staying up. And it seems that Bielsa is putting performance uh, ahead of results, really. Uh, and you look at the league table. I think I think they're only like three points off seventh, so they're not far off. And if they can keep some consistency with these with with, with the performances uh, and getting three points out of them, then you don't don't know how far they are. But if you're a Leeds fan. They're just enjoying it, aren't they, this season? You know what I mean? I think, I think any, any newly promoted team just wants to make sure they're staying in the Premier League first. Um, I don't think they've got any more ambitions of hitting you know, European spots and stuff, and they're just enjoying the ride. And, you know, I, I couldn't have said at the beginning of the season that which team would be loved by all the pundits across football. I mean, I even saw Graeme Sooner smiling today at how Leeds played, and that's a rarity. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Maybe it was just maybe it was just, you know like you say with a baby you don't know whether he's smiling or it's wind. wind it could just be wind <laughs> I think it's probably just wind with uh, with Sunes yeah. uh, Alex bad weekend for Leicester in terms of them keeping up their title push but a fantastic one for Liverpool um, who kind of as we said about City in the second part haven't necessarily been talked about as much because there's been quite a bit of focus on United but two fantastic wins in the last seven days they go away to Tottenham in midweek and win 3-1 and then 3-1 away at West Ham uh, who have been in good form mentioned before obviously they're in the top four they've now dropped just out but Liverpool in terms of the way they're playing particularly the attacking players Salah Mane was on the bench tonight, but you know has impressed in games. Firmino came off the bench and set up a goal for Gini Wijnaldum. Despite the injuries, despite the issues that they've been having, they do seem to be getting a bit of the swagger back. Yeah, they do. Well, Liverpool are, um, are, are very, very good going forward. And Salah is one of the best players in the league. With I think he's probably right up there with... Maybe Fernandes is up there now, I don't know, but definitely De Bruyne. Um, so if you were a manager and you said you'd take one player from any other team, you, depending on which position you're weakest, you'd go for 
for De Bruyne or you'd go for Salah. So you've always got a chance when you've got him up front. Um, I turned that game off today. I was watching that. I was enjoying it because I thought West Ham were doing quite well. And I thought West Ham might sneak it, uh, especially on a corner. But then Liverpool, maybe it was about 60 minutes, Liverpool um, broke a really good goal uh, by Salah. And then the, the second, not that long after, again, a big one ball over, controlled it. Beautiful, just reflex finish. Um, so when you've got one of the best players, if not the best player in the league, uh, especially up front in one of the most difficult positions to score goals is the hardest thing in the Premier League. So you've always got a really, really good chance. Um, I think that obviously Van Dijk's a huge loss. Then uh, they went and lost, um, I can't remember, is it Matic they lost? Or was it... Joe, Go- Joe Gomez. They lost Gomez. Um, and now Henderson played in there today. Uh, so I think a better side than West Ham could probably exploit some of those weaknesses. Um, so again, I, I don't think Liverpool are quite as as favourites for the league as City, but they, they could go on a run. They could win the next ten games if Salah catches fire. He could probably get a hat trick in nearly all of those games. Um, it'll be really interesting because, as you mentioned earlier, uh, in a week or two, City play Liverpool, and I think if, if Guardiola and City get a nil nil at Anfield, I think that'll be like seen as a great result. And yes, City are, are definitely on for the league. If Liverpool were to win, which I don't see happening as much as probably the, the draw or a City win, but if Liverpool win, then everyone would go, oh, they're, they're right back in. Hopefully as well, when the Champions League starts back, United can maybe exploit the lack of uh, depth in Liverpool's squad at the minute due to injuries, and maybe City uh, might start to feel a little bit more pressure. So there is a long, long way to go yet, um, but I wouldn't never rule Liverpool out um, cause, because of Salah purely because of Salah. Um, just touching on the other end of the pitch for Liverpool, Dave, obviously the issues at the back that uh, Alex has highlighted there, Van Dijk and Gomez are unlikely to play again this season. Matip's had his issues. Fabinho, who's been dropped in there, has also had his issues. That's meant that Reese Williams and Nathaniel Phillips have had to be drafted in with, with kind of differing impacts that they've had. But given the fact that as we're sitting here now, we've got 24 hours until the transfer window closes, the chances of them getting a deal over the line are, are pretty slim. And even if they do, it's going to be a free transfer or a loan for someone. Uh, ben Davies from Preston has been, has been linked with a move. Is that a risk? Do you almost think that given the fact that they've managed to kind of cobble together a, a competent defence, they've not been getting whacked by teams and conceding an enormous amount of goals. Do you think Klopp might go with the idea of we've kind of built up this it's like when you don't want to take the bins out we've built up all this rubbish if I touch it if I knock this Jenga it's all going to fall down um, for the sake of bring, for, for the sake of bringing in Ben Davies from Preston you've just reminded me that I need to put a bins out tonight thanks a lot for that and play Jenga bins then Jenga yeah, uh, Bin Jenga. I don't think uh, Klopp will run the risk of doing it. And like you said, it, it has been a bit cobbled when he's been playing Henderson at the back and I think Fabinho's played there at some point. But Liverpool's greatest line of defence was always scoring goals. Uh, and it was a confidence thing with them. And I think everyone expected once this, once they got one goal after so long, then, that then it would open up the gates. And we were talking earlier on regarding having leaders in the team and captains uh, at Man United sort of picking up the, the team. And I think that that's where Liverpool have struggled this season when they've not had Van Dijk on the pitch. So being that that focal point 
like gearing, gearing up players, but now they're scoring goals. I think that that's what be their defence. So they'll, they'll, they know now they can go on and score more goals. And Salah's, I think it was Salah's first goal today was absolutely stunning. Um, yeah. And as, as a United fan, it's annoying to see, you know, that, that them turn the form around, but you have to you have to hold your hands up when, when, they, when they're playing exceptional football. Uh, looking at some of the other results from the weekend, Alex, Everton nil, Newcastle 2. Massive, massive result for Newcastle and Steve Bruce. Nine Premier League games without a win heading into this one. Um, he looks like a man who's under constant, constant pressure and the relief on his face at full time when they got the three points. Uh, Marley, if you're listening, obviously you'll be delighted. He's had a big weekend. Uh, but given the situation that they're in, you could see them getting sucked into the relegation zone. But based on this performance, based on this win, this could give them a little shot in the arm moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Callum Wilson, um, from the, again, only saw the highlights of this one, but he could have scored four or five. He, he looked to be, he's, I think he's a really, really good centre forward as well. Really, really good player. And he's not been available for every one of those last nine games because he's had an injury. They've had a COVID uh, situation running right through the team. Um, and, the way that the the league works now with these sort of two games a week and you might play it, this you don't you're not allowed to hide anymore. So if like Newcastle got a draw, Newcastle lost, and there were five other games on on the Saturday, it wouldn't be as intensified with the fact that every we're well not everyone, but loads of people are waiting at home. They might be on on a, a Tuesday night at eight o'clock. They might be on at six o'clock. Everybody's seen it. Everybody's talking about it. So I hope. I mean, Bruce is one of my favourite players at United just absolute triumph of will because he was not that good a player but he just would not be beaten and I think he really tries to take that into his managerial uh, style and I, I don't think he's got all the players there that can possibly help him but kind of good luck to him Newcastle's a good city again to go to I don't I don't want to be <laughs> the good places We've not this had football for two yeah. years. This isn't the you know football I mean? social tourism podcast. It really should. Newcastle's one of the really great places. The game's like a five-minute walk from the middle of the city. It's two trains, which is a nuisance, but it's two and a half hours. It's not that far. <laughs> There's loads of drink stoppers on. We can, we can find, want, we can find all this information on Google, yeah. 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 I, can, want, I want them in the league. They're a side that I want in the league, and... We can most again. It's, it's about goals, especially going in. You can't squeaky bum time. I think we're a bit still a few weeks away from that yet. But somebody like Callum Wilson at the beginning of the season was scoring. Then Newcastle hit a dipping form. He got injured. He's back scoring and playing well. They could go on a mini run and be sort of safe and get everybody off off Bruce's back. And I, I kind of hope they do because I think he's a great player, Wilson, and I love Steve Bruce. Uh, yeah, I think anything that stops cabbage, cabbages being thrown at him is a positive. Alex Boardman's yeah. uh, walking tours of Great Britain. That's that's a BBC, that's a BBC Four series if ever I've heard one. Um, Dave, Crystal Palace Wolves kind of have sympathy for anybody who actually watched this game over the weekend because it was really, really slow-placed. Only one moment of excitement, Eberiche Eze with another brilliant goal. Crystal Palace, we just kind of copy and paste with them every season. We expect them to be to be absolutely safe and, and get these results at home. But Wolves find themselves in a really, really sticky run of form. No winning eight in the league. They've got some good results in the, in the FA Cup to kind of counterbalance that. But we normally associate Nuno Santo and Wolves with, with European qualification, back-to-back top seven finishes in the last two seasons. And now they actually find themselves down in 14th. Obviously, like we said with Vardy, you just hit the panic button with, with one player missing. And obviously with them, it's Raul Jimenez, who's, who's got that terrible head injury um, earlier this season. But 
what exactly is, is going on with them? Because the team hasn't changed that much. And yeah, they are missing an important player, but to drop almost half the way down the table is is a hell of a slide. Yeah, I mean, how, how much of an influence do you think that when Liverpool side Jota at the beginning of the season? Because when you look at how far Wolves have, have slipped off uh, from last year and the, the sort of standard that they've set themselves over the last few seasons, because to me, I thought... Once uh, Nuno had joined there and obviously the Portuguese connection regarding players coming through and the money they've got to give for wages, that they, they were always going to be a top six, maybe top eight uh, push uh, team. But it just seems to be incredible how far they've, they've fell off. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it has there been a, a more higher fall from grace than, than, than Wolves from last season? I can't, I, I can't see it. Maybe Sheffield United had the exception to that. But it's... Do you remember David Moyes at Old Trafford? <laughs> that was quite a big one. Yeah, that was quite a big one. Yeah, if you're getting your yardstick out, I think I think David Moyes <laughs> wins that. Um, Battle of the bottom: Alex West Brom two, Fulham two. Sam Allardyce has not been able to pick up a home win since he's come in as as West Brom boss. And this idea of him being a bit of a firefighter and, and getting things sorted out, making them more solid, hasn't hasn't really clicked. He, he openly criticises defenders for the second mm. game running at full time and Scott Parker and Fulham a little bit of a Sheffield United the Sheffield United situation with them where I don't really know why they're not already down but they're not they just kind of seem to be just bobbing above water and for me when you look at the performances and the the body language and the attitude of the players I think West Brom are in more trouble than than Fulham and possibly even Sheffield United Possibly. I think um, they got a win on, on his first game, on Allardyce's first game. I think West Brom got a win and then nothing, and now they've got a point again. Um, so it's, any any team that Allardyce manages, you just don't <laughs> really, you can't really, it's really hard to root for them. There was that sort of a golden period when he was at Bolton and he got JJ Kutcher and you were like, oh, you know, wow, this is the, sort of the best football I've ever seen played. Um, and it, that turned out that was just an absolute one-off. And it's this kind of sort of dour, long ball, big physical side, everybody behind the ball all the time. Um, and I, I don't see West Brom, I don't see Allardyce turning West Brom round. Um, but likewise... Fulham, I think Fulham are all right. They're not a bad side. The few times I've seen them play, they can play a bit, and I just don't know what's. I just don't know what's wrong. And maybe it might be Scott Parker's not been a manager long enough. Maybe he's not doing some of the the sort of darker arts kind of things to win games. But Fulham look not terrible. Um, but I don't know. I think they could both go down. I think they second from bottom and third from bottom, aren't they? So I think. I think the writing's on the wall, especially for West Brom. I can't see West Brom pulling out. Uh, moving up the table, Dave, Southampton nil, Aston Villa won. Good result for Aston Villa. Ross Barkley getting his goal. I think it might actually be his first goal since he's joined them on loan or, or certainly his first goal in the, in the Premier League for them. But as for Southampton, they've hit a little bit of a sticky run, three defeats in, in a row. And when you consider before Christmas that they were up in the Champions League places and we were talking about can they hang in there? Are they going to get into the Europa, etc., etc.? It's been a tough, tough January for them. Yeah, definitely. They've fell off the pace. I think they're still in the FA Cup, though, aren't they, Fergal? Just to remind you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I can't remember who they beat. Some, some team, some rubbish team. 
Uh, yeah, but they, they, they fell, off the, fell, fell off the pace. I don't think anyone really, realistically expected Southampton to stay around the top four. Uh, if I thought I was deluded having United down as a, a title challenge, anyone who thinking the Saints were going to put... <laughs> the Saints were going to march towards that in May was extremely deluded. But uh, the thing is, yesterday, I thought, I, thought they were the best, I thought they were the better team against Villa. They, they, they had the most shots on, uh, on target. But yeah, but like I said, Barkley bagged his first one for Villa. And it's a great result for Villa away. Um, bit of a strange one to wrap up considering the, the size of the team, Alex, but Chelsea, Burnley, Thomas Tuchel getting his first win. Uh, he was incredibly well wrapped up. I had to go outside just to see if it was as cold <laughs> as he looked at Stamford Bridge, but they absolutely battered Burnley in this and he got pelters after the first game, uh, the nil-nil draw with Wolves and the, the stuff that the Chelsea social media team are putting out about completed passes and various <laughs> other kind of nonsensical <laughs> nonsensical stats. But the stats that matter in this one were the two goals and, and a really impressive performance against Burnley, who we all know are no mugs, but we're slowly getting a little bit of a feeling of, of what Chelsea are going to be like under Tuchel. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he brought Aspilicueta back, who consistently for the last 10 years has been a really, really good defender, one of the absolute top defenders in the Premier League. So to when Lampard put him sort of out in the cold a bit, that was always a bit, maybe, I don't, I just don't understand it. I don't know yeah. why you would. Your club captain was, on the bench is a bit of an odd one. He was the main defender. He was the, the organiser of the Chelsea team when they, even when they had David Luiz in there, he was trying to keep him sort of, uh, stop him like running <laughs> up the pitch every two minutes thinking he was a centre forward. Uh, and he scored an absolute peach of a goal yesterday, Aspilicueta. Um But the, I think Tammy Abraham's their best option up front. I think he's um, an absolute handful. He'd be a nightmare to play against. He's big. He's got good feet. He's he's brave. Uh, and yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea are a bit of one of those worrying sides because I don't want them to do well ever. But on paper, they've got some really really decent players. And I think it is just a case of getting the best out of one or two of them and they could they could have a really good run going into the last sort of 16 17 games of the season so hopefully they won't but i, I, think, <laughs> I think they're right after yesterday's performance it was a really impressive performance uh, sorry after the Burnley performance it was a really impressive performance that and uh, the writings on the wall i think chelsea could be starting to be good again uh, Dave, when you look at the situation that, that Tuchel's inherited from Frank Lampard, I think defensively bringing in Edouard Mendy has been a, a massive one in terms of in goal. Whether, as uh, Alex points out, Cesar Espeliqueta keeps his place and Marcus Alonso, who got himself a goal, keeps his place. The focus is going to be on the other end of the pitch and how he gets performances out of Werner and Havertz and Ziyech and, and one or two others. And it was another game and another tough afternoon for, for Timo Werner. And Given the fact that that's going to be Tuchel's brief, getting these multi-million pound players to start performing, how does he go about getting them to click? Who Who's the key player to get the rest of them moving in an attacking sense? Uh, I think it's going to be down to the the, the mood at Stamford Bridge. I always think it's interesting when uh, managers leave football clubs and you hear the stories that come out afterwards because a lot of the press was sort of Frank was Mr. Nice Guy, wasn't it? But when you look when you when you hear the stories behind closed doors, the amount of players that he actually fell out with. And I seen the interview where uh, with the very well wrapped up Tuchel yesterday, <laughs> uh, and he was he was saying about how, how he gets the best out of Werner, and he says it's not going to happen overnight. It's just going to be once he actually gets the goal, he's going <clears> to <throat> uh, that them them more. Will 
will follow and it might take that it's going to be a mistake or something that comes goes in off the back of his head or whatever uh, but the player the, the team will still always be working around him so I think <clears throat> the talent's always there with Werner uh, it's just I don't think that Frank Lampard was was getting the best out of him for, for me already that I've seen out of the improvement over the last two games uh, outside of the 881 passes that they made <laughs> against Wolves uh, Good was, was the, was the uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi playing him out on the right wing because uh, he was fantastic mm. yesterday I thought he hit the post uh, and uh, he was setting up and I think that's a position that he's not usually playing in but uh, it sort of shows the sort of tinkering that we can sort of expect from two chills Chelsea yeah, the first Frank Lampard free weekend of 2021. Big job on Tuchel's hands if he wants to get Chelsea back where they want to be. Gents, we're going to call it there for the Football Social Daily, Football Social Daily even, Premier League review show. Dave, Alex, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Nice one. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Uh, the guys, Jim, Niall and Marley will be back tomorrow. They're going to be looking back at Brighton's game against Tottenham and talking about the last 24 hours of the transfer window. Is Klopp going to get his man or will he be frustrated in the sales? Don't forget to tune in then and we'll see you very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.